Welcome back to another episode of the Writer's Advice Podcast, guys. I am so excited to introduce this week's guest, but first, I just want to update you on a couple of new things that we've got going on. So now you can become a member of the Writer's Advice Podcast through Patreon. So that means that you get the podcast long before everyone else. You get the full video podcast as well, and you get to know what guests and what new authors we've got coming up and submit your questions to them as well as recommending guests that you want to hear from as well. We also have a book club over on Patreon which is very very exciting so that means that you can get books sent to your door and you can also be invited to a private um, Zoom meeting with our authors of the books that we choose each month. So that is very, very, very exciting. Um, you can head to olivia.com, sorry, oliviahillier.com to learn more about that. Or you can just go patreon.com slash writers advice podcast. If you have any other questions, you can find me at Olivia Hillier Author on all social media platforms. Love to have a chat. Um, I think that's all I've got to update you on. If you love this episode, please share it with your friends, all your writing friends, all your reading friends. And without further ado, here is this week's guest. Writer's Advice is a point of connection, a dose of inspiration, and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books. I'm your host, Olivia Hillier. Each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. Welcome back, listeners. I'm very excited because this week we have the fabulous Scarlett St. Clair joining us, who is an incredible paranormal YA author. So thank you so much for joining us, Scarlett. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. And I know you have so much goodness to share with our listeners. So, but first I want to start off with is, how did you first know that you were a writer? Um, so I read The Lord of the Rings and... Um, I became obsessed with fantasy worlds and the idea that I could build a world that was different from the one I lived in. And I decided that I wanted to be a writer and I was just interested in being like, not just a writer, but a world famous author. And I remember like reflecting on that and looking at all of these instances where I was sort of drawn to writing. Um, but I don't think being a novel writer ever clicked, but I would write like short stories and like illustrate them. And I <laughs> wrote this ridiculous story about princesses and carried it around with me forever. I was obsessed with it. And, um, or just like, I would write little things like essays about trees or just practice my handwriting. I always felt drawn to put my like pen to paper so it made sense when I finally made the connection that I wanted to be a novel writer and I think it was just the part that was missing was that I could create worlds that I could be a fantasy author I could create things outside of what we believe in in this world yeah absolutely and that is something that I am fascinated by because you create these beautiful worlds that people feel like you're in them you can be a part of them they're like they're real and it's to be honest something fantasy isn't something I've dabbled in and to be able to create that I'm absolutely fascinated with because I have I love I love to read it but 
what was from from that and to, well from you know growing up writing stories etc when was the moment of like okay I'm, I'm gonna give this a go and I'm gonna um write my first novel oh like from the age like of 13 that's, oh, awesome. that's when I read the Lord of the Rings yeah yep. and then when I was 13 I was like I'm gonna write a novel and <laughs> you know when you're that age you're uninhibited by the reality of the world like ignorance is your best friend then because you just have no idea about like what lays ahead of you for this journey and I think sometimes that's the best part of it is that like linger in that ignorance for as long as possible because because I think that's what helps you dream right uh so yeah from the very beginning and I didn't know what I was doing I you know I knew what I was doing as far as I knew I was a reader right and I think we all start there maybe we love reading but applying what you read is just not the same as sort of learning the mechanics of of writing but it's a start and that, that's what's most important and I sat down and I <laughs> opened a word pad because <laughs> that was all we had on my like desktop you know at home and I just started like writing I remember just describing a place and it it, it mimicked where I lived because I lived on 10 acres of land, you know, in the middle of Oklahoma, we were surrounded by trees, and we had a creek in the back, and like I, so that's where I started, is describing what I knew, and then I just kept going, and I had like, I don't know, a ton of pages. I don't even know if I knew where the story was going, but I just started, and I think that was the most important part, you know? Yeah. I think we get hung up on like, I gotta know where the story is going, but I, I think that we can get so hung up on, like, I have to know where it's going. We never start. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So from 13 and, and starting like that, what, how, what was your process from there to getting published? Wow. <laughs> a lot of years. <laughs> Naivety um, kind I, of, <laughs> there was a bit yeah, of a it, was, it would, it would be, it would be about 18 years before I had any success in publishing and I remember, so I was 13, I was in middle school when I started writing, and um, I think it was the next year, or I I think it was the next year I went into my freshman year, and my my freshman English teacher introduced me to the junior English teacher, and was like, she wants to be a writer, she's written the whole novel, (laughs) I'd written several by that point, and I think my junior English teacher, her name was Miss Applegate, and when stars come out, there's a letter dedicated to her. And I think that she was like, okay, like I'll read this book, not really believing anything about it. But what she saw when she read it was potential. And so she fostered my, you know, motivation to become a writer. So with her help, I applied to this writing contest. I wrote this short story and it was called the Eastern Oklahoma Writing Contest, and I got first place, and that was like, I was like, I can do this, like, you know, it's validation, like, I'm on the right path, and, and I was so ecstatic, but I would ha- wouldn't have any successes for, like, 18 more years after that, it was, it was, it was like, you know, recent, the last, like, three years was my success as, as an author, I'm 32 now, so, um, so, God, that sounds so, <laughs> that sounds so long, doesn't it, but it's, you know, it's just funny to think about. Um, so I would continue to write. I told everyone in high school I was going to be a famous 
author. I just wrote, kept writing stories when Star Mouth, the book that is going to read. You back, you back, don't worry. <laughs> okay. I was like, Ugh. I heard it go off. Every, I think the thing I did was that every choice I made in high school, in college, and after was with the goal of being a full-time author. Mm -hmm. So for instance, in high school, I was the one who got our creative writing classes started. So, you know, I got people to join that class and we could, we could create one once we had like eight kids or something. So I did that for two years in high school. And then when I went to college, I majored in English writing and English writing is nothing like professional writing, but I didn't want to go under journalism. And also they don't really foster that love of Mm -hmm. fantasy writing. Really. It's like, you know, if you're going to be a literary fiction writer, do that. But it wasn't really for me. And then, and what it did do, I will say my English degree, and you don't have to have a degree in English to be a writer, but it did help me critically analyze text. And I think that helps me think very critically about my writing. So even though I do write romance, I do think very critically about the real life, you know, impact of emotion and trauma and um, how we haven't changed as a society and parallels to, you know, history and so I do think very critically about that and I think the my degree helps me and then when I went to get my master's degree I did library science because you know I'm like everyone who goes into library science without knowing what it is I was like I like books (laughs) and it turned into so much more than that but what it ended up giving me was this ability to be a good manager and these were all skills that would help me eventually when I decided to become, when I was able to become a full-time writer. So all, throughout all this, college, grad school, I wrote. So in grad school, I had been writing this book about pirates and I was like, I'm going to publish this. You know, my, my friend was like, why don't you just, just self-publish? Like, you know, you keep getting no's, no's, whatever, just do it yourself. And I was like, yes. I was so motivated and so excited because I had been in the writing world online for a while. And, and I was like, I could do this. I've gathered enough resources, you know, and I did. And, um, and it, it didn't do, it did, it was not good. It was not a good experience. But I, I think what it taught me, unfortunately was one that I wasn't ready, but two, I had a really bad relationship with my writing. And so I ended up writing the second book and publishing that. And then I just took a break to get better at at being an author. And I went to conferences and I joined critique groups and just really started to work on my craft. And I think what actually helped me were books on craft more so than people's feedback. So Mm. there was one piece of feedback that I think changed my writing forever. And it was that I needed to layer more emotion into my novel. So now a part of my editing process is a whole process dedicated to expanding on like the emotional elements of my book. But once I just focused on being a better writer, I was like, okay, I'm going to try this again. And that's when I wrote When Stars Come Out. And When Stars Come Out like was no great success, but it was a turning point for me. And I don't, I can't really explain how it just was a different process. It wasn't that that book had any, you know, it didn't have, didn't make a splash, hardly anyone's read it. It's whatever, but it motivated me. It changed the tone of how I had published before. And I, I was like, 
I'm going to write a touch of darkness. I'm going to write this book, you know, and I just, I did it. And it was, I think what happened is I really embraced what I wanted to write, which was romance. And I'd been so afraid of it for so long because, you know, with the twilight era and we got so used to just making fun of young girls who wanted to read love stories Mm. and it makes other authors afraid to do it because you know we're going to like be made fun of or be the butt of every joke or something like that and I was afraid of that and once I sort of let that fall away and just did what I wanted to do it was like instant it was and a touch of darkness I will say was not an instant success it took a year like the first year it was out I made two thousand dollars and I was ecstatic that was the most I'd ever made from, you know, being a, an author. And, and I remember telling my CPA was like, we've got to like get a handle on this. Cause next year I'm going to make a lot more, you know, the next year I made like 70 K and then the next year it was like six figures. Right. Actually, I think it, I think it ended up being seven figures, but see how like the increase was tenfold. Right. Um, so yeah, it was almost like when I started to just like release, like this pressure or this fear of what I really wanted to write and just do what I, what I had always felt drawn to do things were just quick, but I I don't think I would have been able to build the bridge to my success without those mistakes or, you know, not, they're not even mistakes. They were just laying a foundation, you know, to be better at all of this, at the writing, at the publishing, at the marketing, all of it. Absolutely. This is such a great story. I I love this so much. I've got so many questions from that, but um, chaotic. So I hope it makes sense. <laughs> I hope no, you learn something. Does. What I want to know is, I can't even imagine there'd be so many challenging times within that 18 years, especially when you have such a clear vision of, of what you want. Is that what kept you going? Like, because throughout rejection and constantly learning and bettering yourself, you, you didn't give up. Like, yeah, I just knew, you know, I think sometimes we, I I have a very strong um, connection to like what I feel is my sole purpose. Like I, at the core of it, I was like, this is what you're meant to do. I always believed that like at its core, I couldn't be anything but an author. And I just Mm. knew I, I've, there, there there's very few things in my life. Like that I don't feel very certain about. Like everything I decide on is something I 110% believe in. And I followed like my intuition every step of the way with this. And I think that I did, there were times when I thought, even now as a successful author, there are times when I'm like, why do you do this? It's like so stressful and so exhausting. And it's that, you know, sometimes you feel like there's, there's payoff, but sometimes it's painful too at the same Mm. time um but I really just think you know that's what kept me going because I I remember getting feedback from a critique partner I was in college still getting my bachelor's degree and it was my first it was one of my first books I hadn't yet published it because I didn't publish until my grad years and she was just she just said like my book was not good you know it was like basically I didn't have an understanding of story structure I think and so I read this book called Anatomy of Story by John Truby Mm -hmm. and you know we fall into two camps you're either that one or you're Save the Cat and I have never been able to read Save the Cat but if Save the Cat helps you read it you have to go with what you feel connected to right so I read it and I took all these notes and I revised my book 
But before I got there, I gave up. Like I, I piled everything into like the middle of my room. I was ready to just throw it away. But the next day I was like, okay, you just have to start over. And I, I think you have to just be okay with that. You always, at this, with writing or just any creative, actually anything in your life, <laughs> really, you have to be content with where you are in the moment. And I feel like, especially like, I don't, I don't, I don't live in another country. So I've only ever lived in the United States, but here we are so pressured to be young and successful and to always like, you know, there's this weird thing, this weird oppressive thing around people where like, you know, you can make it if you just try hard enough, which is not true. (laughs) It's not in truth. It is not true at Mm. all. Uh, but that's our culture, you know, and, and it, it's just, it's kind of, it's, it's hard because you feel as an individual living here that, you know, you can't fail. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things you just, you, you keep going. And if this is really what you want to do, I think eventually you will make it. But someone told me one time, like they had to stand in line and they feel like they, they, when they finally felt like things were working out for them, it's because they had stood in line. And I think all those years, those 18 years, now 19, because I just turned 32, you know, I was standing in line. I was waiting, you know, I was doing the things I was, and it, it did pay off, but we don't have to be young and successful. Like we, you know, I think that the whole point is, the journey you take to get here because it's not going to be rewarding unless you work for it in some you know in a lot of ways like how can you value something that you didn't work for um and unfortunately you know a lot of people especially well I don't really know I mean I think a lot of people in general especially people of color have to work 10 times harder to be where you know some of us are and uh I you know and I it's just it's hard especially in any industry, the publishing industry, though, tries to pretend, right, that they, that they're, they don't whitewash everything, and they still whitewash everything, and so, you know, it's, it's one of those things, it's, it's always hard, but it, it will be worth it in the end, I think, and that's my personal belief, I think you'll get there, it's just a, it's a whole, it's a whole process, and I wish I had known that, 19 years ago. I wish I had known, like, it's okay. Like, be content with, you don't have to be 21, like Veronica. I think it was Veronica Roth was 21 when she got published, mm-hmm. you know. And we look at those stories and we want to be that exception. Mm-hmm. But I'm 32 and I'm an exception to all the rules. Literally everything I've been told, I have done the opposite. So you can be any age and still be the exception. It's okay. I love that. That is that is so great. I take away so much from that. I went in so many directions there, but we got there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so what what would you say has brought like when you said a touch of darkness, you know, didn't have the most successful year to start off with, what was it that changed for you? Was it, you know, obviously you've turned it into an incredible series, but um what was it that yeah, took off your next year? Um, so A Touch of Darkness has like had, it feels like it ha- it's had three lifetimes because <laughs> there are three years where things like were kind of odd. It was like the first year felt successful. I made, because I made money off of the yeah. book, like $2,000. And then the next year, um, 
I think I released I released Ruin and a Game of Fate. So that year was the year I could quit my job, um, which was huge. That's huge, right? And I thought this is like it. This I made it right in the, the second year. Um, and then in the third year, it was like <laughs> beyond my wildest dream. So by the third year, it had gone viral on TikTok. And I wasn't on TikTok at the time. So that's all readers. And I think throughout that whole part, a lot of it was readers. Now, in the beginning, to like sort of lay the foundation for that, I just chose like a few social media platforms to be on. And I think I started with this idea that I was going to be genuinely me on social media. So I wasn't going to censor myself and I don't, which is the, the weird thing sometimes. Um, I was just going to give my opinion like I do in real life and just be who I am. And um, so that meant changing like my aesthetic and uh, to fit with who I really was. Um, so part of this was like weirdly an identity shift because mm-hmm. I was becoming, a, I was just becoming who I really wanted to be. And it was easier to do that sort of um, because I started writing what I wanted to write, romance, yeah. right? And then you know, then when I could quit my job, I could kind of shake off, you know, what I, you know, you have to be a different sort of put a different like foot forward as far as professionalism goes when you work for a public entity. Um, So I think part of it was like just deciding to be genuine, sticking with my aesthetic, and then those really focusing on a few social media platforms and my goal, everyone always says, go where your readers are. And I think that's, that's frustrating advice for mm. people. They're like, where are my readers? <laughs> but my thought was like, I want a fandom and where do fandoms live? And at that time, fandoms lived on Pinterest and Tumblr. <laughs> so I was like, okay, what do people seek when they are, you know, obsessed with something and it's quotes, right? And, um, fan art so I could do quotes because I'm an author so I just made really simple graphics like black with white text and I noticed that those did really well on Pinterest but not so well on Tumblr but what did well on Tumblr was just the actual quote no like graphic behind it so I did that for a really long time and I put the first three chapters or the first like actually a lot on Wattpad to give people the chance to like experience the book and uh, that's what I did for the, as my marketing for like the first two years. And um, the thing that you learn about marketing is word of mouth marketing is absolutely the number one way to market. But in order to get word of mouth marketing, you have to have people talking about your story. Um, so I, that's why I think everything goes back to craft and is your writing, you know, good enough. People can ignore grammar if they like the story. Now, I'm not saying you should ignore grammar, but good writers are not always good at grammar. I am one of those people. I have a degree in English, but and that does not mean I have a degree in grammar. People get those things mixed up all the time. But if people enjoy your story enough, the grammar will come. Like you will find people to help you. Um, and it's just the reality of being a self-published author. Thankfully, now I have a publisher and an, and an editor. And I'm so glad because it's just, that's not my forte. It's really hard to self-edit anyway. Mm. But um, yeah, I think that's, I think it was just a, a combination of like all the right things um, 
So yeah, but it, I think it definitely goes back to craft and having a story, at least at the heart, a good story, right? Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, yeah, if people are getting invested in the story, you're right. Grandma can come after that. So what is your routine now? What is your daily routine when it comes to (laughs) when it comes to writing? Um, you know, (laughs) I have a really bad habit of waiting until the pressure is on and I have like a month left to go and just like whipping out a book in a month or two months. Don't recommend that. Um, yeah, man, this is really hard for me because I have a really terrible routine. But um, I'm, I think it's because I go based on what I'm doing now. And so what I'm doing right now is really brainstorming. Mm. Like to, earlier, I had a call about like a plot line with my editor because I have to process externally. And I was like, I have this other plot line worked out, but I need to know this one. Um, so I just kind of think through like, what are these things going to look like? what are the scenes, like how I start a book is like, what are the scenes I could write now? And I write those down. And so that's kind of the phase I'm in. So until I get out of that, I won't start sitting down and writing like chronologically. Um, But even then, when I sit down and start writing chronologically, I'm so terrible. I don't do a word count goal. My brain doesn't work like that. I have to write when I feel the like push. Um, So I end up writing from like probably like 11 till like 10 at night and with like some breaks in between. But my, my work week is like not 40 hours. It's like a hundred hours when I'm in that zone. So um, I'm hoping that may change at some point because I'll get more structured, but you know, I've been a full-time author for, I don't know how long now, (laughs) two years. I think it's two years and I, I still have not quite worked that out yet. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I, I like the, I like the, um, I love writing. So I love like doing the all day writing thing, but I don't think that's feasible long-term, but you do have to find what works for you. And honestly, tracking my word count every day does not work for me. Mm. So I have to think of something else. Like everyone says, just track your word count. And I'm like, can't do it. I don't know what it is. So if you have any, (laughs) if anyone has suggestions, I'll put it it out (laughs) there. It's interesting. No, I think you're right. And you do have to find what specifically works for you because if you're completely lost in a story, the last thing you want to think about is numbers. Like it's it's a different side of your brain to think, you know, you're just just thinking about getting it done rather than really putting it out there. And I think sometimes when you do have those, like, I don't know, I call them like vomit days where you're just in it for such a, such a long period of time. It's not bad because if that's what's coming through you and, and that's how you work the best, you know, that's, that's your structure. Yeah, I really, so what I find is there are parts of the novel that I write really cleanly and hardly, they won't require hard, like hardly any editing. And then there are parts of the story that are really bare bones and they require the most editing. And that's kind of how I just do. I'm like, okay, well, I don't really feel the scene right now. So, so like all the fight scenes and malice, I skipped and I just was like, insert fight scene. And I went back later after the book was like, you know, the first draft was done. And then I wrote all the fight scenes because I just couldn't do it. I wasn't in the headspace mm. to write a fight scene at that point. So 
I'm definitely like, I, I, I'm what I like to call an intuitive writer. I just kind of do what feels right at the time. Um, but like, you know, right now I'm like dreading getting back into it because I have to write QMM, Queen of Myth and Monsters. And I'm dreading getting back into it because I know what it's, it's going to be all consuming. And I have to travel this month. And I'm like, what are you going to do? <laughs> so we'll see. But I don't, I don't have a good process that I, the most process I have is that the steps of, you know, writing the scenes that are clearest to me. Once I've written all of those, I start writing chronologically. And then I do not go, I cannot skip forward. I have to write chronologically from there. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. <laughs> it's a process. <laughs> It is. It's terrible. But one of the things I read, I forget, I was reading, uh, writing down the bo bones, I think. I think that might be by Natalie Goldberg or something. Um, yep. it's the title is definitely writing down the bones, but she talked about how don't try to change your writing process. Just embrace what you do because mm -hmm. that is your process. And if you try to change it, you're just going to frustrate yourself. So, so once I did that, once I said like, this is my writing process, it was actually easier to just do it than fight against it. I'm probably fighting against it right now. It, it's a lot though, when you're about, I know what you mean, that feeling when you're about to sit down and do something because it takes so much of you that it's like, you need to like get ready to, <laughs> it is, it's all, it's all consuming. Yeah, yeah. I isolate myself. I like stop answering calls. I stop answering text messages. I just, and I know that's what I'm about to do. <laughs> yeah. Locked away for as long as yeah. you can until you like reemerge for it. I just need like a cabin in the woods where I go to with no internet access. Like that's what I need. <laughs> that's a dream. That's a dream. It I feel like it'd be very inspiring to, I can't imagine the like stories that you could write out of a place like that. <laughs> I know. I was, when I went to Ireland, I stayed in this little, like this really cool place in Wicklow and uh it was so magical and I was like I want to write a novel here every day I want to sit in front of this beautiful window and write like a novel here so hopefully I get to do that like <laughs> later this year it would be a dream absolutely now you have a you're, are you traveling for a new release is that what you're traveling for this month yeah, well, so I'm going to France for the release of A Touch of Darkness there. And then I have um, Imaginarium Book Festival in DC. And then at the end of June is the tour for A Game of Retribution. Oh, awesome. Excellent. So if you're in any of those places, then you can come and check you out. But if any of the other, if any of the listeners want to get in contact with you, um, yeah, learn more about you, where are the best places to find you? Um, I'm most active on Instagram and my, my handle is author Scarlett St. Clair. I believe sometimes I get the, isn't it terrible that I get the, the handle. Do you your own? It's yes. Author Scarlett St. Clair. I'm always like, is it Scarlett St. Clair author or is it author Scarlett St. Clair? <laughs> it's terrible, but we definitely update there and we do keep my website up to date. So if you're like looking for signed copies or you know, things like that, like release schedules, it's all on my website and that's scarletstanclair.com. Perfect. Excellent. And I'll put it all in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us, Scarlett. That has been the best chat and you have just given so much goodness to the listeners and very inspiring. So I think everyone that walks away is listening to this is just like pepped up to, to get into whatever they're working on. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs>
Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Writer's Advice Podcast. If you loved this, please share it with your friends who you also think would really enjoy and really benefit from all the inspiration that was in this episode, or give us a five-star review on your favorite listening app on where you found us. It really helps us share with more people, more writers, more authors, and share these authors' incredible stories. So thanks, guys, and until next time, I will chat to you then.